Hey everyone, this is David from Wisconsin. I'm Jack's podcast producer. I just wanted to remind you real quick that Jack has a podcast hotline. You can leave him a voicemail at 920-415-4525. All you got to do is leave your name, where you're from, roughly, and then your question or comment, whatever. Jack really does want to hear from you. Again, that number is 920-415-4525. You can also text your questions to that number or email jack at jack.hager at gmail.com. All of those contacts will be in the show notes for this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Hey there, it is Jack Hager. And I'm recording this on Tuesday, the 16th of November at 2.30 this morning. I got back from Texas. I got to fly to San Antonio to spend some time at Lackland Air Force Base. And I just want to spend some time talking about that trip just because I feel like it. And it was such a fantastic time. It was probably one of the top three things of the ministry that I've been in for uh, four decades. I went down there at the invitation of a chaplain. I first met Keith when he was was 12 years old. Now he's a major chaplain in the Air Force. When he was stationed in North Dakota, he brought me up to Minot to uh, speak for a week. When he was stationed in Guam, he was able to get me to come to Guam for a week. Didn't take a whole lot of persuasion, but it did take you, the taxpayer, paying the freight to fly me out there and fly me back to preach for a week. And then this past weekend, went down to Lackland Air Force Base to spend time primarily with the recruits, the people going through basic military training at any given time, there are about 4,000 of those young people going through their seven weeks of boot camp, if you will, for the Air Force. Sunday, I had the opportunity to do four chapels back-to-back and talking to about 3,500 airmen. It was a tremendous privilege, a tremendous honor, not so much for the sheer number of people, but realizing I had the privilege to brag on Jesus to young men and young women who were literally laying it on the line. It was a spectacular time. It's a great Air Force base. It's huge. Uh, Got to to hang out and just see some incredible things, but just the privilege of speaking for Jesus in that environment was simply fantastic, and I, I can't even put it into words to look out. The chapel's capable of holding a thousand, but because of COVID, they have it down to 500, and the, uh, the uh, recruits come in by week of training. So in other words, uh, fifth week guys and girls come one session and the 500 are in the chapel and then another three or 400 are watching uh, in another location via streaming. The very last session though was with young people who got there the previous Tuesday. In other words, they're in about their sixth day of boot camp and to look out, they haven't even got uniforms yet. They're dressed in their exercise clothes. To look out at them, most of them recent high school graduates, all with a little look of shell shock, all wondering, what am I doing here? Of course, it was great that they were wondering what they were doing here, because I was kind of wondering the same thing. What was I doing there? And to be really frank, that's the way I feel every time I preach. God could use a donkey. There may be some similarities, and yet to have the tremendous privilege and responsibility of speaking for Jesus is an amazing and amazing thing. Whether it's six kids in a Bible study, a one-on-one counseling session, or again, the privilege of speaking to 3,500 young airmen, it just blows me away that I get to do what I get to do. And I don't pretend to understand totally what it means, 
But the Word of God says, Let not many of us become teachers, for as such we shall incur the stricter judgment. So even after 40-plus years of doing this, in fact, I had a guy at our men's Bible study tonight. He asked me, do I ever get scared or anxious before I speak? And I say, yeah, all the time. And of course, speaking in front of a crowd is still the number one fear of most Americans. And I wouldn't use the word fear, but I would use the word of accountability. Again, let not many of us become teachers, for as such, we shall incur the stricter judgment. If I'm never nervous or I'm never somewhat anxious, I'm going to hang it up because at that point, I'm relying on me and not relying on the Holy Spirit. Like most things, you prepare like it's all up to you. You pray like it's all up to God. And somehow he molds those things together. And I want to challenge you as a Christian in those one-on-one -on -one conversations, which in many ways are a whole lot harder. It's a whole lot tougher for me to talk to one person about Jesus than it is to talk to 1,000. But the mere fact that it's tougher doesn't exempt me from the responsibility I have to brag on Jesus at every opportunity. And by the way, that responsibility is yours, too. And you may say, well, I don't have that gifting. Uh, it's not a gifting. The Great Commission is for all of us. Go into all the world. That includes your community. That includes your school. That includes your place of employment. That includes your church. That includes wherever God has you planted. That is your mission field. I'm, uh, I'm not totally opposed to short-term missions, except when that short-term mission becomes the focal point and kids or adults say, oh, I can't wait till the summer. We're going to go to Haiti or we're going to go to the Dominican or we're going to go to the inner city. Uh, well, forget about that. What are you going to do today? Today's the day you're responsible for. Redeem today. And please, please, please don't waste your time praying for opportunities to share Jesus. Just take advantage of them. They're all around you. And I understand this fear. I understand there's anxiety. But suck it up, buttercup. Rely on God. Ask his Holy Spirit to fill you. And when it's time to speak, speak. People expect us to talk what, about what's important to us. And I think the world is a lot more willing to hear about Jesus than we are willing to speak about him. So I want to encourage you to uh, look for those opportunities you have. It should be a natural thing. It should come, what, what's the old saying go, if my heart's on fire for Christ, some sparks ought to be flying out. And they should be flying out. And they should be. I think one thing that hinders people is they think they got to share the plan of salvation with everybody they meet. You certainly don't have to do that. I believe it's a bunch of sanctified commercials for Jesus. A word here, a word there. I personally think it's very rare for a person to come to Christ the first time they hear the gospel. In my case, in that jail cell in Texas so many years ago, never having heard of Christ before, reading his Bible, his word, and the word of God doing the work of God in my life, it was a gradual process. But yes, it was the first time I heard, or in my case, read the gospel, but the Holy Spirit chose to use that to bring me to himself. I think you just look for those opportunities to speak up for Jesus, like... Uh, if someone finds out you've lost a loved one and they ask you how you're doing, it should be natural, not just to say, well, God is helping me. And by the way, don't use the word God, use Jesus. But Jack, Jesus and God are the same. I get that. You know that. I know that. They don't know that. 
Talk about Jesus Christ. There's no other name given among men under heaven by which people will be saved. Brag on Jesus. Lift him up. And they ask you how you do and say, it hurts. It stinks. But, you know, Jesus is helping me. And maybe share a Bible verse or share another example. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. You know what? Jesus gave us this day to rejoice in. Oh, Jack, that sounds so corny. Does it? Does it really? Let me ask you something. How many people in your sphere of influence have never had anybody pray for them? And you meet somebody, they're going through something. You can just say, if it, if it seems right, hey, can I pray for you? And they may say no. On the other hand, they may say yes. And then you have the opportunity. Don't pray a sermon, but just do what you say you're going to do. Pray for their situation. Pray that God would give them the grace. Pray that Jesus would give them the help they need. Just look for those opportunities to share Christ. I do believe in written tracts, gospel tracts. Uh, I got saved by reading a gospel tract, the book of the Bible. But just those short things, if they're well done, there's a lot that you should burn, but there are some that are well done. And if you need help in that area, let me know, and I can point you in the right direction. But try to carry some gospel tracts with you. And if, if it seems right, hand it to somebody, ask them to read it. They, oh, the jack, they're just going to throw it away. Maybe so. But on the other hand, they may read it, or they may tuck it away, and then five years down the road, five months down the road, they're in a valley of, of despair, and they kind of remember that thing. Or a few months down the road, a few years down the road, they remember you sharing something about Jesus. And their moment of need, they reach out to you. You never know. You never know what impact your words, if they're matched by your lifestyle, might have in somebody's life. To be able to speak to those guys and girls Sunday was an incredible, incredible privilege. To be able to talk to a couple airmen one-on-one -on -one afterwards and to be able to pray with them was a tremendous, tremendous privilege. And I've been doing this for 40-some years and it's always a privilege. It's never, oh, that's what I do for a living. It's never, this is what I do. It is kind of, but it's just that one in a lifetime opportunity to talk to one person, to be an ambassador for Christ, to be Jesus with skin on for that one guy, that one girl that just needs somebody to listen to him, that just needs somebody to look them in the eye and, and say and prove, I care about you. I care about you. No matter what your hang-up is, no matter what your stuff is, I got hang-ups, I got stuff, I got all kinds of junk issues in my life. On that, we're level. We're on the same playing field. But because I know Jesus, I have peace that passes understanding. I have hope. I have anticipation that one day it's going to be all right. And the Father does indeed know best. A couple guys asked me tonight, what it was like in Vietnam. And uh, because I shared with them that I spoke to those airmen, and of course, Vietnam was my connect to them, my four years in the military. Vietnam was like prison. I learned a lot there, don't want to go back. I was not involved in day-by-day -day combat. I was with the 11th Armored Cavalry Regiment, uh, 1968, 1969, and we were under fire and took incoming and had to shoot. Uh, and it was... As somebody said, combat is hours of boredom punctuated by moments of sheer terror. 
But uh, Vietnam was a different experience. It was an experience that can't be explained. And uh, one thing I do know is it's some, it is something that most of us won't really share with any detail with people that haven't been there, haven't done that, simply because we can't. It's, uh, it's something that I might talk about with another brother that's been there. I might talk about in a VFW meeting or something. But if you ask me for some blood and gut stories, it's, it's not going to happen. And quite candidly, if you're around somebody who's been in Afghanistan or Iraq or Vietnam or Korea, and they're talking about it in detail, I'd be a little bit suspicious that they're telling you the truth. Because it's just like prison. I'm not going to go into detail about the prison experience, uh, simply because if you haven't been there, you have no clue what it's like. I don't care how many books you read. I don't care any mo how many movies you watch. Until you've been there, done that, you don't know. But Vietnam was a learning experience. Of course, I wasn't a Christian at the time. I didn't really care whether I lived or died at the time. I was mostly high, not that every Vietnam guy was high. In fact, I think it was the minority. It wasn't like the movies. It wasn't every guy was loaded. Drugs were available for many of us. It was the first time we used drugs. Of course, alcohol was prevalent. But uh, I can't really describe Vietnam. I would say there's an old TV show called Tour of Duty. It was, uh, I don't even remember what years, probably the late 70s, early 80s. It was on air for three or four seasons. The first couple years, it was pretty accurate. Then it got kind of soap opery because there was another TV show called China Beach or something like that. And it started and stayed nothing but a soap opera set in Vietnam. And I guess the producers of Tour of Duty realized that that particular uh, TV show was taking more of the audience, so they got kind of sloppy in the last seasons. But the first two seasons are pretty realistic. I'd recommend that highly. One of my favorite movies was We Were Soldiers with Mel Gibson. Uh, in fact, in 1965, right now, that battle was going on. And uh, that movie is very, very good. It's uh, graphic without being disgusting. It's real. It's genuine. It's the type of fighting that I was never in. But if you've not seen the movie We Were Soldiers, I'd recommend it. And even more than that, I'd recommend the book. I read the book long before the movie. The, uh, the movie is fairly close to the book. In fact, there's a book that was written several years after that called We Are Still Soldiers, where the author went back and interviewed men, U.S. troops, as well as North Vietnamese troops. Got their perspective and the U.S. perspective about how they respected each other and how they saw the battle and how they wished the battle would have gone different ways. Both of those books are really incredible stuff. I don't know what Afghanistan was like, what it is like. I don't know what Iraq is like. I've talked to some guys that have been there, and uh, they don't go into detail because it was a different war, different time, different situation. The thing I'm grateful for is that when the Iraq and Afghanistan veterans came home, they were, for the most part, welcomed. And even the people that were dogmatically against the war were not against the warriors. Whereas when we came home from Vietnam we were treated in a far different way, a far different way. Baby killers, baby rapers, all kinds of other junk. Uh, but it was an experience. It was a life experience. 
and everybody's got stuff, everybody's got experience, and God has had you go through some stuff that'll allow you to weep with those who weep and laugh with those who laugh. You'll be able to relate to them because the situations you've been in. So my Christian friend, take seriously the admonition that you shall be my witnesses. Somebody told you 2,000 years ago, a bunch of flunkies started telling other people about Jesus. They told other people, they told other people, they told other people, and eventually somebody told you. Whether it was your mom or a pastor or Billy Graham, or maybe like in my case, a book, somebody told you about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit of God used that to bring you to repentance and faith. Guess what? It's your turn. It's your turn. Read a book like How to Give Away Your Faith. Read a book like uh, Evangelism Explosion. But most, understand this, you don't have to read a whole lot of books. You just need to tell people what happened to you. I think the reason a lot of Christians don't tell their story is they don't have a story to tell. Listen to me, you don't have to know the day, time, and hour you got saved. Because your testimony should be not history, but current events. What difference is Jesus making in your life today? What are you not doing today because of your relationship with Christ? What are you doing today because of your relationship with Christ? And uh, you, again, you may not know the absolute story of how you became a Christian. But you need a testimony. You need to be able to tell people, this is what happened to me. Because they can't argue that. They may think you're nuttier than a fruitcake. They may think you're tripping on something, but they can't really argue. They can argue scripture. They can argue opinions, but they can't argue your story. So look for opportunities to brag on Jesus. Look for opportunities to naturally throw his name into the conversation. Look for opportunities to pray for people. And then if you have the opportunity to share the entire thing, do so. Oh, but I might do it wrong. No, 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 no. God is a whole lot more interested in those people than you are. And the Lord's going to use you to impact lives with the message of hope. If you're available, if you're willing, if you're placing yourself out there to be made fun of, so far they're not shooting us. That's happening in parts of the world. So far it's not happening here. I believe it could and in the not too distant future happen here. The Bible says that all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Not might, will. And so far, they're not persecuting us to the point of death. But it might come to that. Are you ready for it? Hey, think carefully, pray carefully, get in touch if you have questions or arguments or anything. Jack Hager saying, talk to you later.